Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and joining me today from the Raise the Roof Network is Bree Gonzalez. Bree, what's up? Hey, how are you doing? Good, good, good. Especially with the way the Rays have been playing, we've got another three-game win streak. Uh, they just took game two against the Mets. 12 runs scored, the most this season, but uh, that's been fun. But first, before we get into the baseball, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and or tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you guys are up to over at uh, Raise the Roof. Well, initially, Alex Murphy, Evan Gibson, and Evan Lynch, they all started the Raise the Roof podcast um, during last season. And since then, they kind of expanded their network to now we have multiple podcasts. It's the Raise the Roof podcast, which um, I'm doing sometimes with them as well. There's In the Tank, which is a prospect centric podcast um that's a really good one to check out they have a lot of on there so definitely recommend that one um and then we've got a couple more podcasts in the works so we'll see how that goes but we're um we're getting articles up we have the website raise the roof tv.com um we have an instagram twitter we're trying to get video content up and going um, so yeah, we've been on kind of a break because most of us are college students and we have finals <laughs> and everything, but we're going to get that ramped up in the coming weeks. So. I, I know the exact feeling. I just finished up a semester myself and all of a sudden it's like, boom, the summer semester starting and, uh, it's rough, but we do what we can. And yeah, it's, it's really fun kind of watching raise the roof. Uh, there's no short shortage of raise puns. You've got raise your voice. You've got raise the roof. You can't go wrong. Um, but Bree, yeah, thank Once again, just thanks for, for coming on today. Uh, we had some pretty big news this week. Yoshi Tutsugo designated for assignment. We're still waiting on news on whether or not he's going to accept that assignment and go to AAA or if the Rays are going to release him or somehow he's going to be traded, um, which I don't think is likely. But, hey, Albert Pujols signed with the Dodgers today, so I really have no idea what's going on. Were, were you shocked that Yoshi was was DFA'd or do you think it was uh, about time? I mean... Kind of both. I, I was shocked that they actually did it just because of the amount that he was getting paid and everything. But I mean, it, it was time. And I feel bad because he did sign at such a weird time coming to a new country during like a pandemic. Like it was just rough, weird season last year. And unfortunately, he just couldn't get it going. You know, um, I do feel for him and I hope that whatever he does, he can have some success going forward, whether that's with us in some capacity or with another team. But yeah, I mean, it, it needed to be done, but it is sad that it didn't pan out. Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, I think last season we've talked about how, how difficult that must have been coming, you know, across the world, playing in a new league, and then all of a sudden everything gets shut down. You have no idea when the seasons are going to start or if there's going to be a season. And I think even the Rays fans that were most harsh on Yoshi last year almost wrote him a pass, you know, wrote anyone who had a bad season a pass, even guys like Austin Meadows who struggled. And then I think if, you know, the expectations though were there again this year for Yoshi and and ultimately it just wasn't working. They started him out as the leadoff hitter for the first week or so of the season. And I thought, yeah, that's a really good spot for him. High on base guy, works late to counts, can draw a lot of walks. And then he just didn't perform. They slid him down the lineup, still couldn't perform. And if it it eventually came to the point where he wasn't an everyday player. And if for, for like the Rays, if you look at their bench, they like to have guys that have positional versatility and that can play good defense and that can contribute in multiple ways off the bench. 
Yoshi just wasn't that. They played him at third. It wasn't great. Played him at first. Wasn't great there. Can't really play in the outfield. You've already got Austin Meadows, who you're not comfortable playing in the outfield every day. It just, the roster spot wasn't there. And I, I, we mentioned it. We talked about it on, on the hit show that we recorded earlier this week. Um, but the, the the roster spot became more valuable than, you know, or was more worth more than the money you were paying Yoshi. And so I think, uh, I don't know. I, I, again, like you, I, I have no ill will towards Sutsugo. I hope he has success. I hope he accepts the assignment, goes down to Durham, can get some more consistent at-bats down there at a couple different positions. And maybe down the stretch, he, he's needed once again. And he, you know, has, has figured things out. But ultimately, it was time. And they, and they bring Kevin Padlow up. And I thought that was going to be a one-day thing until Troy was activated. I really thought we were getting Troy against Garrett Cole. That didn't happen. He was activated today on the day of recording, which is Saturday. Um, hasn't played in a game yet. Didn't play against the Mets today. But I'm I'm pretty excited to see Padlow get more of an extended stake. It looks like he's up for at least a little while now. Yeah, um, I was so happy when he got his first hit, and it was in a big spot too, double. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was sick. Like you, I didn't think he'd be up here for an extended time. I really thought he was going down as soon as Troy was activated, but um, he's here. And honestly, he provides. He can play first and third. He's really good defensively at third, like from what I've seen. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think he'll be good. I don't know how long he's going to be here because, you know, ultimately, I know we're going to talk maybe a little bit about Brasso, but, you know, Brasso, he can play pretty much anywhere. So, like, if you're weighing those two, you might take Brasso over Padlow. But. Well, it, it, we're in a weird spot right now where the team has become really right-handed. Um, the lefties, there's no switch hitters on the active roster right now. The lefties, you've got Meadows, Lau, Troy, Wendell, and Phillips. Everyone else is a right-handed hitter. They've got Mejia on the IL, who he's a switch hitter, and you've got Kevin Kiermaier on the IL, and he's a left-handed hitter. Uh, but the fact that they're keeping Padlow up here, I don't know, is a little shocking to me. A very right-handed, um, and I I think at this point, and they've both got options, both him and Mike Brasso, they might be competing for that roster spot, one of those last spots on the bench, uh, up until the time that either the Rays, I don't know, maybe when Kiermaier comes back, or when the Rays decide they need to call up a guy like Taylor Walls or Vidal Brujan, I don't think it's coming soon, but obviously Wander Franco is in the mix there too. And Brasso this year just hasn't been performing. Love the guy. Still think he's very valuable. Still think he can be a good major league hitter. Um, but as the Rays, as we get out of the early stages of the season and things start to heat up, you know, as we get towards the middle of the year, like the Ray, he's got the options and he's not playing every day. The best spot for him, I think, could be at this point in Durham where he can play every day. And again, like Yoshi and some of these other guys, get those consistent at-bats. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it would be the worst thing. Um, it would be like a little weird just because he's, he's been up here for so long at this point. And, you know, it might – I don't think he'd take it negatively because it's a chance to gain confidence. And he'd be back up eventually if that did happen. But, I mean, um, he's he's been up, I think, since the first. I don't think he's been optioned since he got called up back in what was that, 2019. Uh, came out of nowhere, really. There was a few people that were, you know, huge fans of Brasso online, uh, and then all of a sudden he came up and he really had never stopped hitting. In 2019, he had 142 plate appearances, had a 109 WRC plus, a 319 on base percentage. Last year was great in only 98 plate appearances. Obviously, had the big hit in the postseason, uh, but this year. Not drawn walks, is striking out a ton, and is hitting 157 with a 213 on base percentage. 
this is really the first time we've seen him struggle in the big leagues. And I, I want to say part of that is because he's not playing every day, but that's kind of been his role like the entire time he's been in the big leagues. Uh, again, like Padlo would have to do a lot, I think, to kind of, in my personal power rankings of, of Rays hitters, pass Brasso because we've seen what Brasso can do when he's firing on all cylinders. But when Kiermaier comes back or if Bruhan keeps hitting the way he is and the Rays feel that they need him on the major league roster, like that's where Brasso, I think, could be the odd man out. I mean, what we're seeing, though, is just the depth in action. I know that the offense hasn't been great, but you think of the offensive options we have, just position players, like we have great options. So we're going to see that shuffling around constantly and it'll work out. Speaking of depth, uh, the Rays made a trade today. Hunter Strickland headed out to the Angels. That was the move uh, made to open up a roster spot for G-Man Troy. Uh, Lewis Head was also sent down a couple days ago to make room for Diego Castillo, who's back off the IL. But Hunter Strickland, who by all you know factors was having a good season, uh, a guy that uh, I really wasn't sure if he was going to pitch in the big leagues this year for the Rays. He was signed on a minor league deal. He puts together a few really solid outings, and then he shifted off to to the Angels. And for a lot of teams, you've got a reliever like that that's performing in that way. You don't trade those guys, especially when they're making a minimum league minimum salary. The Rays are able to trade Strickland, and you still look at their bullpen. And you think, well, they didn't. They're not really missing anything there. Um, I'm 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 happy for for him that he's going to get a chance. I think to play what's going to be a more prominent role in the in the Angels pitching staff more so than he was with the Rays because with the Rays he was getting like mop up roles or if we had a really big lead and he really wasn't pitching that way. He was pitching to where. For a lot of teams, he could get high leverage situations. And I think ultimately this is just a case of like the Rays having too many guys where when you trade a guy that's that good, you're not really losing any sleep over it. Yeah, we're going to have some guys coming off the IL. I mean, I, I was very surprised when I saw the trade just because it's just, the, I don't know, very random time. He's doing He was doing very well. But, you know, the Angels, they need help. And, you know, that's just the Rays creating – they're they're really creating value out of nothing. I mean, he was a very low risk guy to bring in. Like we didn't know if he was going to be on the team at all. And then they flip him for some cash, which is, yeah. you know, and maybe a player to be named later. I think also in that deal, like this was a guy you bring in on a minor league contract. Uh, you, you know, I don't, I don't want to add to the raise being cheap narrative, but you pay a, a month and a half's worth of, a, of his major league salary. All of a sudden you trade him and you, yeah, you either turn him into cash or potentially, a lottery ticket prospect. That's pretty, that's pretty big. Uh, and it's something that we see, we've seen the Rays do before. Um, but Diego Castillo is back. So you lose under Strickland, but back in the bullpen, Diego Castillo. And since like the first week of the season, we've got Castillo and Fairbanks back in the same bullpen. How does like, that just makes me feel going into a game or going into a big series so much more safe. Like a game like t- today, that was really close until the end. Having both of those guys that you can deploy out of the bullpen, that's just huge. I mentioned today just seeing them sitting there and knowing, like, if this is close, we, the eighth and ninth are covered. Like, we're good. So we just got to get through seven and we're golden. So Like, we're already so far into the season. I forget what life is like with Nick Anderson. Like, at one point, Nick Anderson's going to come back into this team and you've got that that three-headed monster where once our you know our starter our our opener and, and follower get through the first six innings you you feel really confident uh, especially if you've got the lead and you've got guys like Andrew Kittredge performing Jeffrey Springs Ryan Thompson all having great seasons 
Uh, bullpen's doing really well. Uh, one guy, we're going to take a quick break, but right after that, we're going to talk about, I think, a guy, a player that might be a little closer to Bree's heart, and that's uh, University of Florida alum Mike Zanino. And we're back on Raise Your Voice, talking about Mike Zanino, who is the AL leader in wins above replacement, according to Fangraphs. What a season he's having. He's a Florida Gator, I'll admit it, uh, but the home runs he's hitting are just absolute mammoth shots. How great is it to see Mike Zeno seem to finally put things together at the plate in a Rays uniform? Well, he's a Gator great, so as a alum, <laughs> I love seeing him succeed. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people were really down on the Rays in the offseason for bringing him back. And I was like, no, you guys don't understand. Like, He knows this pitching staff. We have so many young pitchers. And like, I wasn't even bringing the offense into consideration, but like he brings that piece and like, I mean, some people are saying he's going to be an all-star, and he very well could be if he could keep this performance yeah, up. Yeah, like right now, he's got 1.2. This is before the Saturday's game because we're recording right after Saturday. Uh, 1.2 wins above replacement, eight home runs, 16 runs batted in. Um, he, he leads for also AL catchers in home runs. The next guy is Salvador Perez, also at eight. Uh, but Salvador Perez has 157 plate appearances to Mike Zanino, who's only got 86. Uh, and he's also got less wins above replacement. So you're seeing Mike Zanino do this in a situation where he has really been splitting playing time with Francisco Mejia and now Kevin Smith. Uh, Zanino is, while, while Mejia is on the IL, and it might be a short stay, is taking a, a lot more of the innings, obviously, with, with Kevin Smith being the quote-unquote backup now. Uh, but to have a catching tandem like Zanino and like Mejia, it's Obviously, there's a lot of season left to be played. I don't expect Mike Zanino to finish with a 138 WRC plus and a 551 slugging percentage. But for right now, it's really fun to watch. And it's a, it's a catching core that I think the Rays haven't had in a long time. Uh, it, it shows how, how much the Rays liked Francisco Mejia. You see they bring him in in the Blake Snell trade. He's been great. He's looked just really comfortable at the plate. And to have a guy like Zanino, who we know has like all-star abilities defensively, now starting to show that offensively, it's like, I mean, yeah, right now, he's going to be the guy you pick uh, to, to to be an AL All-Star, maybe him and, and Salvador Perez, who's putting together a good season for the Kansas City Royals. And yes, I, I know it's, uh, I, I, I've been, I even tweet out a couple Gators references. I'll give Mike Zanino credit. I love the Kevin Kiermaier chomp whenever he hits a home run. Um, I, 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 I made a joke somewhere that well, you know, his home runs are almost, you know, T-shirt worthy. Like he needs his own special T-shirt, uh, but can't have any Gator references on it. I can't wear a shirt that has any UF references on it, but I'll tweet about it. That He'll have to live with that. Um, but really, really fun watching watching Mike Zanino. And I think, well, yeah, like you said, proves a, a lot of the haters wrong that were maybe questionable when the Rays brought him back again, once again, for, for another year. Uh, he's been really fun to watch. And, and again, I think, like you said, again, the, what, the way he works with the pitching staff, amazing. There's really no one in baseball that I think uh, is, is is a better fit for, for this job as, as a Rays catcher. Um, the other guy we had to talk about, and I just mentioned him, is Kevin Kiermeyer. And it's not for, for anything that he's done. He's been on the injured list after getting his hand caught under that of uh, who was at second base when he got caught. One of the, one of the A's players. Um, but he's been on the I.L., and when he comes back, he might not have a starting spot. And that's because of Brett Phillips and the way he's been playing. Now, again, a lot of baseball left, but so far before today's game, and I know we got a couple more hits today, Brett Phillips, 221 batting average, 308 on base percentage, 
uh, and an 87 WRC plus, but we've seen some great defense out of Phillips. Once Kiermaier's back, has Brett Phillips shown enough to you to be able to make you, that would make you feel comfortable with the Rays eventually at some point? Doesn't have to be this year moving on from Kevin Kiermaier. Well, I think they're going to move on from him eventually. I don't know if it will be this year, but at the same time, like just as of now, when KK comes back, I think KK is still going to be the starting center fielder. I think you're going to see Brett get a lot of playing time in, you know, left or right. But um, KK is a center fielder. He, he's been, I mean, I feel like he's been hitting, if not consistently, then in good spots for the most part this season. So, I mean, they're very similar with, they kind of strike out a lot, but then hit in big spots and have great defense. So. And, and they both add something on the base paths too. They're almost, and I think Kiermaier still edges out Phillips defensively and with the arm strength, uh, but they're very similar players in terms of, of what they bring to the table. Uh, I somewhat argue that, that Phillips is a better teammate. I'm not here to have that debate on this podcast. Uh, I'll let others do that elsewhere. Um, but Kiermaier, once he's back this year, he's making $11.5 million. Next year, he's owed $12 million. And then it's a team option. So he's got a $2.5 million buyout. So after this season, the Rays only owe him about $14.5 million. Um, I don't know if that's the way the Rays go because we've got, even outside of the big league roster right now, there is center field depth. Obviously, you've got Phillips, Margot that could play there. Um, and then in, you look at the AAA level, Josh Lowe, and then Vidal Brujan, who's going to definitely get a run in center field. If he hasn't in AAA, he definitely will at the big league level. There's plenty of depth there. The problem is, like, if you want to trade Kiermaier, and if that trade were to happen this season before the trade deadline, I don't think he has a whole lot of value. I don't think any team values Kiermaier the way that the Rays do. Uh, but at the same time, Brett Phillips out of options. I think he's not that the Rays would consider moving on from him because the way he's played. But are the Rays doing themselves a disservice almost if you've got Kiermaier and you've got Phillips and you've got these guys in AAA? I don't know, and I definitely think the Rays will listen to offers, maybe even actively shop KK in July, but I don't want the Rays to trade him just out of necessity. Like If they get a return, if the, if the team wants a center fielder, if a team really values what KK brings defensively and offensively at times, then yeah, I think if the right deal is there, I don't know. I'd be nervous if the Rays just kind of traded him for a lottery ticket or a player to be named later. I, th I think he's still got value there. And I still think that he, he makes the team better. What about you? I completely agree with you there. Um, the thing I think a lot of people miss is that no team is going to value KK in the way that the Rays do, because not only does he provide that great defense, great speed on the base paths, but for the Rays, he's their most veteran player as of now, like as far as being with the team, he's been there the longest. He, he is a leader in the clubhouse. Like what he does on the field or off, he is a leader in the clubhouse and his, the other players respect him. Um, he's a face of the franchise, one of them. So, I mean, he, he can't provide that value to another team. So that's where I think the Rays are going to have trouble kind of getting the value that they want to get out of him. So I'm not sure how that'll work out. And, and they don't have to trade him. Like, and by the way, that as I said, the thing about Vidal Bruhan playing center field, the Durham Bulls just dropped their lineup for tonight, and Vidal Bruhan leading off playing center field. Um, oh, wow. But 
Kiermaier, like, yeah, they can hold on to him this year and next. After 2022, if you want to buy him out, it's two and a half million bucks. Let him go, you know, go somewhere else. I think that's probably likely. I don't think he'll be here for that 2023 season. But I, I just don't think they're, they are they don't need to move him this off. So I, I think he, he definitely makes the team better. He still does. I know there was a lot of discussion online after the play with, with Randy. But, like, when you tell a guy that, you're you know you, the raised tell Kiermaier like that's your outfield catch anything you can mm-hmm. plays like that are going to happen and uh, yeah we could talk about what that does inside the locker room I think him and Randy are fine yeah. yes Randy, Randy had every right to be upset in the moment uh, but I, th- I think Randy understands too that like that's KK's role he is the best defensive center fielder in the game he's gonna make those catches when you've got a guy being that aggressive sometimes that's that's just gonna happen and, and ultimately I think I think KK's fine I think Randy's fine I think I think a lot of that was overblown because it was a story. That's what happens when we have these really long seasons. We just have these minuscule stories that get blown out of proportion. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts on, on KK or the outfield situation for the rest of this year? No, I just hope he can come back and kind of stay healthy once he gets here. Cause it's two IL stints already. That is one thing. This second one it was nothing on him. It's not like he went after a, a, a fly ball that he couldn't get to. His hand got crushed on a, on a stolen base. Like part of his value is is stealing. But yeah, you hope that the IL stints are minimal. That's also just kind of what you get with Kiermaier at this point. Yeah, but hey, you know, if those other players later down the road, it might give Bruhan a chance to step up. So who knows? It'll work out. Definitely sooner rather than later. Hopefully, I'd love to see Vidal Bruhan um, up in the big leagues soon. Yeah, let's let's talk uh, quickly about as we're now like halfway into May. We've talked about all the prospects. We've talked about the depth that the Rays have, given the depth of that farm system and given the current makeup of the roster. Do you think? And I don't think there's any clear holes, but what what position do you think the Rays would be most likely? to go after uh, in, in July at the trade deadline or before, you know, they already made a trade today. Yeah. I mean, there really aren't any clear holes. The only thing I can think is, you know, maybe we don't have like a set first baseman. We're going to kind of always platoon it even with Choi back. Like it's still going to be kind of a platoon thing until someone like really steps up and steals that job. I, I think right now left-handed reliever might be on the on the, you know the to-do we'll list have, if you're the Rays. We have Sheriff in Durham now, so if he is performing, then he can always come up. And you've also got like Oliver Drake, who you know pitches really well against lefties. He is your you know basically your left-handed right-handed pitcher. Um, but we're without Poche and Beeks for the rest of the year. They traded Alvarado, Cody Reed. He finished the game today, but hasn't been great. Jeffrey Springs has been really good, I think, for for the role that he's in. Um, it, but it's something that I think you maybe you look into the, the left-handed pitching market, but you don't feel like you need to go out and 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 get a, a left-handed arm. It's not a pressing issue, um, especially you know you, we've seen McClanahan and Fleming kind of establish themselves in this rotation as starters. Neither of them are going to be pitching in, as a, in a true bull, bullpen role uh, for the rest of this year, unless something went really wrong. Uh, McClanahan started today. Fleming is starting tomorrow, not behind an opener. He's, he's getting the start. So, yeah, other than that, maybe a, I say a right-handed bat, but they're still so right-handed heavy, and you hope that either Padlow or Brasso can be that right-handed bat that steps up, plays some first base, platoons. But, I, again, I think the Rays are just in a really good spot in terms of, like, not having 
a glaring like they didn't have to go out and sign Albert Pujols like the Dodgers did. How shocking was that to you that they went out and got Pujols? on a major league deal for the rest of the year like that? I, I honestly thought that there was no space for Pujols on any roster, let alone a National League roster. Honestly, I, I thought he was going to find a spot, but I thought it was going to be a team that maybe wasn't competing, just wanted to bring their fans like something interesting. <laughs> like the Dodgers were not a team I was expecting at all. So that's pretty interesting. And it, yeah, like maybe, okay, maybe the Cardinals can go and, you know, finish his last season in the big leagues as a Cardinal. I had heard the Marlins thrown. I don't know if there was anything behind that or if that was just some people thought that was interesting. The White Sox maybe to play with Tony La Russa again or, or any other AL team that when you play him, it can be as a designated hitter. But he goes to the Dodgers who like after Max Muncy, who's their first baseman, they've got Matt Beattie, I think that can play some first. Sheldon, I don't know how to say his last name, Noisy, I think. Uh, that the place in first base for them, but they're dealing with a lot of injuries as well. Cody Bellinger, Edwin Rios, both on the IL and they're struggling. Like right now they are 21 and 17, two games uh, out of first place in the NL West, a division that I still think they're going to win comfortably, but to have Pujols, who's like, unless they cut him, which they could, uh, is like locked into their major league roster really came out of left field. Um, but Hey, ultimately I think, he does add something to the clubhouse, but this is a team that like you don't really think needs that. Like they won the World Series last year, they don't really need that like a clubhouse presence. Yeah, but you got to think like coming into the season, did they need to sign Trevor Bauer? Like, no, they were just that's true. That just is very true. They're just <laughs> filling all those spots up. So. That that's one thing. The Dodgers are not afraid to make any additions at any time. Yeah, they went out and they you know, they basically had the best rotation in baseball last year and added a, a Cy Young winner. It turns out with all their injuries, they actually ended up needing Trevor Bauer, guys like yeah. that. You know, Dustin May is out. I think Price is injured. He might be coming back, but you know, so there's smart organization over there. So I trust, uh, like I trust the Rays. That's why they win. That's why they win. Uh, and, and hopefully we can get them again this year in the World Series and, and beat them. All right, Bree. Uh, let, I, I, I am going to kind of put you on the spot here. I didn't bring this up beforehand, but uh, this is your opportunity to to raise your voice. Uh, the Oakland A's, there was some news that they uh, are considering relocation and that Las Vegas is a potential suitor. Talking about the Rays and the Montreal situation, and I asked this to one of my other guests a couple of weeks ago, if the split city plan comes to fruition, say it happens, say Stu pulls it off, gets an opener stadium in St. Pete or Tampa and a, a stadium in Montreal, and he pulls it off, they start doing sister city in 2020, let's say 2026. Would that change or maybe end your, your Rays fandom or whatever they're called, assuming they're still called the Rays? Yeah, so... Well, first of all, I don't, I really think Stu is using this as a smokescreen to try and pressure the city into getting something done. But if that did happen, yeah, because I've thought about it a lot and I don't think if it, I've invested so much into this group of players, this organization, the front office, even the minors. So I'm not just going to walk away because they're only playing here half the time. Like, obviously it's, I'm going to be upset about it and it's going to be frustrating that I can't watch them here and it's going to be frustrating because you know the players aren't going to love that I'm sure but you know it's not something that I'm going to walk away from that easily so 
I kind of have the same, and I and I've talked about it a little bit this on the on this podcast. I kind of have the same feeling. It's like, yeah, it would be heartbreaking, like it would be crushing. But it's like if it's opening day, twenty twenty six. I'm just throwing out a random year, and they're still playing, you know, in St. Pete, or they're still on TV. It's like I'm not gonna not watch. Like I'm not gonna not root for them again. Especially like you said, we've seen this group coming up through the minors. So, yeah, I don't know. I hope something gets done, and and I hope both. Oh, the you know Oakland and the Tampa Bay area get their teams figured. I hate relocation. It's my least favorite part of of sports in the United States, and I hope neither of our fan bases have to go through it. Uh, and but yeah, I feel the same way. You know, it, it, at the end of the day, I'm not going to not root for the for the Rays. So, and I gotta be honest with you, like if if the Rays move, like if it, the sister city, at least they're still here sometimes. If they're gone, we're not getting them back. So honestly, I'd prefer the sister city a million times over complete re- relocation. Uh, yeah, I feel you, and I and I think I think eventually, if that were to happen, and again, we're not we're, we're not saying that we we're on board with the sister city plan, but I think a lot of people that have more negative reactions, I think, would end up coming around. Um, and hopefully, that's not that's not the situation we have to deal with. Hopefully we get a full-time stadium with a roof and AC, please. It has to have a roof and AC. Uh, it cannot sit outside in St. Pete throughout the summer. I think it'll happen. I don't know. We just got to keep hoping. And I don't like to talk about it a whole lot during the season just because it brings my mood down. And especially when the Rays are winning, don't want to have to talk about the stadium. But Bree, thank you so much for, for coming on today. And we'll have to have you on again uh, very soon. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Awesome. All right. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure to head on over to DRaiseBay.com to check out all of the great Rays coverage. And also make sure to head on over to RaiseTheRoofTV.com and and see all the great stuff that they're doing over there. Check out the Raise the Roof podcast and the Tank podcast covering prospects. All great stuff over there. Once again, thank you to Bree for hopping on, and I'll talk to you guys next week.